as we interact with God's word. Let's pray together. Father, thank you for scripture, the spirit you've given to enable us to understand, to teach, to enable us to live well. We want to be doers of your word and not hearers only. For it's in Christ's name I pray. Amen. Alex, a grandfather in his 70s, was sharing with his grandchildren about life and living well. Here are a few things that he shared with his grandchildren. Life is filled with temptations to fear suffering and rejection for obeying God and obeying Scripture. When I was in my 30s, I was asked to lie for my boss. I was fearful of losing my job, but I explained to him that I could not lie for him because I was responsible to a higher authority. I didn't lose my job, but I never got a promotion. When your grandmother and I started our lives together, I wanted to be in control. I wanted to be right. I wanted to set the pace. I wanted to make all the decisions out of my own selfishness. We had many arguments and verbal fights. There were days when we would avoid each other. Over the years, the Lord has humbled me. I often ask your grandmother over the years to forgive me. I ask her to tell me if I'm being proud. I find ways to serve her, putting away the dishes, putting my coats away, listening to her without comment, taking the lead in praying together. There are still times I'm tempted to think, after all these years of marriage, will she ever learn? Then I go back and think about the fact that I'm to love her as Christ loves the church. I'm continuing to change. He went on, when your dad, saying that to his grandson, and your mother saying to his granddaughters, we're in grade school, in the first few years of high school, I would bombard them with, study hard, get good grades, go to college, get a good job, wait a little while for marriage until you build up a good nest egg. God in grace began to show me how I was causing my children to stumble, to pursue success, money, greatness in the world. I remember the evening I sat down with my, with your grandmother and humbled myself and confessed how I was causing our children to stumble by pushing them to do. I asked them to pray for me because I wanted to shift my focus to encouraging character, being a servant, growing through trials, using their gifts and abilities for God's glory, and to find needy people, and to help them as a family. Then we prayed together. I asked your grandmother to let me know if I were going back to my old ways. Grandchildren, learn from my experiences. Wisdom involves learning from the experiences of others rather than experiencing everything yourself. Let's read together Mark chapter 9. Mark chapter 9. In Mark chapter 9, in verses 30 through 50, 
we find that the theme is suffering and humility. And in verses 31 and 32, he talks about the rejection of Christ. Christ says, I'm going to be rejected. I'm going to suffer. I'll go to the cross, and then I'll rise from the dead. That involved humility. Then he talks about greatness in the kingdom in verses 33 through 37. Some of them wanted to be great. You know, they're arguing about who is the greatest. Then John comes along and says, we saw someone casting out a demon, and they're not part of us. Shall we tell them to stop? And Jesus says, no. He talks to them about a protective, exclusive mindset. He confronts that. And then in verses 42 through 50, he talks about requirements of discipleship. We will read together verses 42 through 50. And if anyone causes one of these little ones who believe in me to sin, it would be better for him to be thrown into the sea with a large millstone tied around his neck. If your hand causes you to sin, cut it off. It is better for you to enter life main than with two hands to go into hell, where the fire never goes out. And if your foot causes you to sin, cut it off. It is better for you to enter life crippled than to have two feet and be thrown into hell. And if your eye causes you to sin, pluck it out. It is better for you to enter the kingdom of God with one eye than to have two eyes and to be thrown into hell where their worm does not die and the fire is not quenched. Everyone will be sodded with fire. Sod is good, but if it loses its saltiness, how can it be made sodty again? Have salt in yourselves and be at peace with each other. Now in the context of humility and suffering, these verses continue that theme of humility and suffering. Causing a little one to sin or to stumble or to fall by the way would be the opposite of humility. And to drive home, as we discussed last week, the seriousness of causing a little one, an immature one, to sin, it would be set, he said it would be better to be thrown into the sea with a millstone tied around your neck or to cut off your hand or to cut off your foot, or to pluck out your eye. It would be better to do one of those items than to cause a little one to stumble, to sin, than to go where the worm does not, where the worm does not die. Do these things before causing a little one to sin. And we discussed that passage and we looked at some applications. And he continues the issue of humility and suffering in verse 49. Where he says, everyone will be salted with fire. Salt is good, but if it loses its saltiness, how can you make it salty again? Have salt in yourselves and be at peace with each other. Now again, he is talking about humility, servanthood, and it involves being sodded with fire. It says everyone will be sodded with fire. Being sodded with fire, having sought in yourself, and being at peace with each other. 
All of those are involved in humility and suffering. All of those are involved in the context of who's the greatest, of going to the cross, of having an exclusive mindset of offending a little one. So he says everyone will be salted with fire. What is the idea of being salted? It's a future tense referring to something that will happen to the people that Jesus is speaking to. Passive means it will happen. They don't actively pursue it. It involves being seasoned or preserved by sodding. And I'll tie this all together. The Greek text says, For everyone shall be sodded with fire, and every sacrifice with salt shall be sodded. You say, what's that all mean? It seems kind of jumbled together. Well, let's talk about the everyone. The everyone must be determined by the contact, as we discussed last week. I think it would include the 12. It would include the man driving out demons in verse 38. It would involve those leading and teaching and influencing others, as we discussed last week. And it would involve anyone that is in a position of leadership, a pastor, an elder, a teacher, a deacon, a parent, a grandparent, that is influencing others. Because in verse 42, he said, and if anyone causes one of these little ones to sin. Everyone will be sodded with fire. And what's the fire that he is talking about in the context? As you look at the context overall, the fire does the sodding. The fire does the sodding. The fire means or involves something that is fiery or fierce. And it's used frequently to express various circumstances of severe trial. So my next question, what is the fire in the context? Context is so very important. The context involves being tempted to pursue messiahship, pursue heaven, if you please, without suffering. See, the 12 were saying to Jesus, no suffering, we just want you to be the Messiah. Jesus says, no, I got to be rejected, I got to suffer, I got to go to the cross, and then I got to come from the dead. How often are humans the 12 that Jesus is speaking to, the Roman believers, being tempted to want heaven, to want the great without suffering. That's, that's fire. God, don't make me ever be rejected on the job. Don't ever have my neighbor criticize me because of my stand for Christ. The Roman believers would say, God, can we just go to heaven and bypass Nero's Torch being human torches. Jesus says everyone will be sodded with fire. It would also involve being tempted to pursue greatness rather than servanthood. Ah, I'm really great. I want to be great. I want to be the best. But I don't want to serve. That's fiery. 
we are honest with ourselves, we go through struggles sometimes wanting to be great rather than being a servant. I think the fire in the context also involves the temptation to party spirit, to judge outsiders rather than pursuing unity. You know, when we get to heaven, you know who's going to be there? Only Baptist. See, that is the mindset that Jesus is talking about when he said to John, let the guy cast out demons. So we have our little cliques. We say, well, we're better than them. True in that day, true down through the pages of history, true today. That's a fire. When we're tempted, it's a fire to say, got to resist that mindset. It also involves the temptation to cause little ones to sin. How do we cause little ones to sin? By teaching Messiahship, teaching heaven without suffering. To encourage them to pursue greatness rather than servanthood. To have a party spirit. We will... Jesus is saying to the twelve, be sodded with fire. See, the above temptations that we have listed, that we discussed, as leaders, as teachers, as parents, as grandparents, and so on, will season us if we respond correctly to them. They'll preserve us. They'll make us They'll build character into our lives. Again, we'll give some examples in a minute. The Greek text also says that every sacrifice will be sodded, or with salt shall be sodded. It depends if you have King James or an IV as to how that's worded. With salt shall be sodded, that means the 12 believers today will be preserved. Again, we'll tie that together in just a moment. If one is not seasoned, then he has offended and is offending little ones. Now, what's Jesus saying? Jesus is saying, everyone will be sodded with fire. There's going to be the difficulty of wanting to be great. There's going to be the difficulty of wanting heaven without the suffering. There's going to be the difficulty of having a clannish or a cliquish spirit. There's going to be the difficulty of tending to offend or cause a little one to sin. And if you resist those temptations, you resist that fire, it's going to build character into your life. Let's take an example. If one is not seasoned, then he is offended and is offending the little ones. For example, parents fighting or withdrawing rather than repentance and confession. If you're married, 
I think I'm 99.999% sure that you have had at least one difficulty or conflict in your marriage in the years you've been married. I think I'm safe to say you've had many, unless you're abnormal, and most of us are not abnormal. So sometimes mom and dad get into conflict, and what do they do? They fight verbally. Or sometimes they'll do like my parents did. They just kind of go by each other and don't say a word. Do you realize that that is causing your children to stumble? And Jesus is saying, everyone will be sorted with fire. You will be tempted. You will be tempted to cause a little one to sin and to stick your ground and to stand up for yourself and say, I'm greater than my wife. I'm greater than my husband. I've got to win this argument. And the way you become sorted is to go to your maid in repentance and confession and say, I'm sorry I was wrong. Will you forgive me? That's how you become sorted with fire. That's how every sacrifice is going to be sorted, as we resist those temptations. Another example, a pastor out to build a great church rather than serving little people. The temptation of pastors, you say, well, I wouldn't know, I'm not one. Well, I'm telling you it is. Pastors, you know, want to be a pastor of, quote, unquote, whatever a great church is, you know. Just like the disciples, you know, who's the greatest here? Well, I'm greater than him because look at my church. That's a temptation. How is a pastor going to be sodded with fire? When he is tempted to think, I've got to be great here, and I'm going to serve those that are going to have the greatest impact in our church, Jesus would say, you want to be sodded with fire, resist that temptation and serve what you may consider little, little people. Within the last three months, <clears throat> I won't <clears throat> give it any detailed explanation. It doesn't involve anyone in our church. I got a call and someone said, can you minister? And I hesitated. I thought, I know these people. Never darkened the door of Roaring Brook and probably never will darken the door of the Roaring Brook. But will you come and help us? That's far from me. And again, this is all going through my mind. You know, the brain works very, very fast. And I paused a moment and I said, Sure, I'm willing. Lo and behold, they called back about two minutes later and said, can I add to the list of what I would like you to do? I said, sure. See, I made a choice there. I was either going to be sodded or I was going to lose my soddiness. How? By how I responded. If I would have said no... I would have been worrying about myself. Another example, parents 
that may focus on the do with children. And there's nothing wrong with school and college and job and money. I'm not knocking that. But focusing on that to the neglect of the be, the character, the depend on Christ and to be a servant. So that's a temptation for the parent. I want my kids to make good money. I want them to get a good job. I want them to have a good education. But shouldn't we be more concerned about their character, their dependency upon Christ, their being a servant? See, that's fire for a parent. And if a parent says, I want my child to be, to have character, to be dependent upon Christ, to be a servant, and if they do well in college and they get a good job and they earn a lot of money, that's fine. But if they don't, I still am concerned about their inner person. See, it depends on how the parent responds as to whether they're going to be saudy and have sought in themselves. Verse 49 restate, or restated, expect, or everyone rather, will be tempted in order to be preserved as one resists temptations. He or she will be seasoned. Apply in verse 49, expect to experience some temptations. Expect to experience temptation to pursue heaven without suffering. Resist it. To pursue greatness rather than being a servant. To struggle with a party spirit, a clique. Well, our family is better than that family over there because we do it the right way. They don't. That's a temptation in light of the context. We'll be tempted to cause a little one to stumble. Everyone will be sodded with fire. He goes on. In verse 50, sought is good, but if sought loses its sautiness, how can it be made saudy again? Have sought in yourselves and be at peace with each other. Sought is good. Sought in the context in light of what is discussing seems to be the character of accepting suffering, being a servant, Pursuing unity, building up little ones, having that as the focus of life, helping and modeling others, or helping others model that in their daily life. Salt is making life tasty. Salt is demonstrating to a child. Salt is demonstrating to a believer that you're seeking to teach that servanthood is good, and you'll go out and you'll help that person who has nothing and you get nothing in return. It's making life tasty. Salt perseveres or seasons rather than allowing something to rot. Remember when we were kids, and Dad used to cure some ham. When we ate, it was salty. Never made it to the freezer. It just hung down in our basement until it was ready to be eaten. It had been seasoned with salt. It didn't rot. It persevered. 
That's what Jesus is saying. Saw is good. The person who resists the temptation to be great and rather serve is sought. The person who says to that little one, let's go out and serve someone, is sawing. The person who says to their child or grandchild, I notice you've been avoiding those people that are different than you, that aren't quite as wealthy as you. That's not good. Got to resist that. He says salt is good, but if it loses its saltiness. That is if you fail to have the above qualities, you know. Accepting suffering, being a servant, pursuing unity, building others up. Salt is good, but if it loses its saltiness, how can it be made salty again? It almost seems like Jesus is saying, you lose your saltiness, that's it. You know, you kind of develop a pattern of life and how you go. It says if you lose it, how can it be made salty again? So have salt in yourselves. Have those inner character qualities that accept suffering on the way to heaven. That accepts being a servant. That lays aside the party cliquish spirit. That lays aside causing the little one to stumble. Have sought in yourself. And then he says, be at peace with each other. See, what does being at peace with each other have to do with the context? Well, they were arguing about who was the greatest. You can't argue about who's the greatest and be at peace with someone. They're opposites. So years ago when my brothers and I would fight and the bigger one would get on top of the younger one and hold him down on the floor. This is a guy thing. I understand you girls and ladies don't make sense out of this. But we wanted to be superior to our brothers. And I may have told you this before, but you know, you let the saliva come out of your mouth a little. And you suck it back in. Will you admit I'm stronger than you and I'm greater than you? If you don't, look out. I'm holding him down, you know, or he's holding me down. We weren't at peace with each other. Be at peace with each other. Help the little one. If you're causing a little one, you're causing your child or grandchild or someone you're teaching to stumble, then you're not at peace. He says, be at peace with each other. In verse 50, he's basically saying, inner character qualities are good, but if you lose them, how can you be tasty again? Develop those character qualities and be at peace with each other. A couple examples of applying verse 50. Parents, grandparents, be saudi. Push your children to be in terms of their character, knowing Christ, walking with Christ in day-by-day living. 
There are some very, very wealthy men in our world today. And there are several that have passed on, and if I mention some names, you would immediately identify with them who have come to the end of their life or close to the end of their life. Broken men. Because their parents and grandparents told them to be great, to pursue wealth, to get ahead in the world. And they realized that as they came to the end of life, that their money would not make up for the deficiency in their character. Their money would not make up for the deficiency in a walk with God. Their money would not make up for the fact that they hoarded their money and used it basically in themselves and never served others with it. Again, if I listed some names, you would immediately say, ah, he saw it. Maybe your child can become wealthy. That's not wrong in and of itself, but encourage the development of the inner character quality. And in terms of another application and just being peace, as a parent, as a grandparent, be open and seek repentance and forgiveness. I'm going to ask a very difficult question, and I'm not looking for an answer. If you're a husband or a wife or a parent or a grandparent, Have you ever confessed sin to your mate or to your children and asked forgiveness? I'm not looking for a response. The reason I ask that, if you haven't, then you're causing a little one to sin. None of us here this morning, including myself, have lived our married life or parented without blowing it. Have sought in yourself. See, sought is being willing to humble myself and go to Ruth Ann and say, honey, I was a... We'll stop there. I was an idiot and I could say some other things. I'm sorry, I sinned against you, I sinned against God, I sinned against the kids. Will you forgive me? And she does the same thing. And our kids, I think, saw that happen a number of times when they were growing up. Have saw it in yourself. For an employer, having saw it in himself may mean that he treats his employers well. Being humble and gentle and helping them if he needs to just do some jobs, and if the business is doing well, to honor them with some of the business doing well. That's having saw it in himself. Where someone says, who do you work for? I work for so-and-so, and it's great. I like it. I wouldn't trade jobs if I could, because my employer has saw it, and he shows it in daily life. Being at peace, then, would be the employees, working hard, doing a good job to help the, cons- the customer to be satisfied. So when Jesus says, everyone be sodded with fire, sod is good, but if it loses its sodiness and so on, he's not talking about some pie in the sky in the context. He is saying, 
Be willing to suffer on your way to heaven. Be willing to serve. Don't pursue greatness. Lay aside that cliquish mindset. Be willing to let others minister even if they're different. And then beware of causing the little one to stumble. It would be better if you had a millstone tied around your neck and be cast into a sea and so on. I'm going to close with sharing something from my own life. I've been a shepherd here at Roaring Brook for some, for 37 plus years. Today I tremble more than 37 years ago when I think of the responsibility of being a shepherd of our church, of being a husband to my wife, being a parent to four children and their mates, and of being a grandparent. I realize more than ever the constant temptations which lure me to cause others to stumble. The temptation as an example to back off in confronting and talking to someone because there might be a rejection. The temptation to want to hear someone say after I say, well, look what's happening in our church. Well, you're a great guy. The temptation within the last month to say to that person who is much on a much different level socially than I am, economically than I am, spiritually than I am, and just physically than I am, just to say, well, I just kind of ignore them. When I say, Scripture says, everyone will be sodded with fire, so it is good, but if it loses its saltiness, I speak from having lived that passage. need to choose to respond. I think in the circumstances that I gave you, I responded in the correct way. I constantly bombarded with temptations to not be saudi, to resist the fire that God allows to come into my life. But my desire is to be saudi. When I come, the end of my life. I trust that I will be able to say to Ruth Ann if she's still living at that time, honey, I've attempted to be Saudi. I've accepted the fire of temptations that have come and I overall have responded correctly and when I didn't respond correctly, I admitted it and became more Saudi. If I have a million dollars, that's beside the point. If I build a great church, that's beside the point. If I've developed a real following for Dan Brubaker, that's beside the point. The point is, am I still Saudi? Are you Saudi? Do you desire to be 
Sorry. Let's pray together. We pause in just a moment of silence. If the Lord has challenged you and spoken to you, then respond to him. Father, love you, desire to be faithful to you, and I think we as a body desire to be open and sensitive and responsive to you. We would confess that we would be tempted in the areas we discussed this morning. We have been sorted with fire and that we're tempted. But it's our desire to be sorry, to resist the temptation, the fire, if you please, to have suffering. I'm sorry, to have heaven without suffering, to be great rather than be a servant have a cliquish mindset rather than allowing you to work in life, the lives of others. We would desire to build up little ones rather than to cause them to stumble. May we be open and honest in sharing our struggles with one another so that we can encourage and build one another. So that we reflect a greater and greater Christ-likeness. The longer I live, Father, the more I realize how much I'm made of clay, how prone I am to stumble and to fall, how prone I am to be tempted. But as I realize that, I realize more and more how great it is to have Christ living within me and working in me and how you have extended grace time and time again to me. May we as a body not become discouraged when we struggle but to openly and honestly admit it and then rest in your grace, the fact that Christ is at work in us and that we can't be separated from your love because we want to be more and more like Christ. For it's in his name I pray, amen.